Turn me to Philippians chapter 3, just in case he tears a little bit. I need to help you out. <clears throat> We're going to talk tonight about created to dream. We're talking about dreaming in life and vision, living in a vision. I love this stuff right here. Created to dream. All righty. You were created for vision. God created you to be a goal-oriented person. He created your heart to pursue something. God created your heart. And he created that heart to dream and to be visionary. And we're going to look at that in Scripture tonight. Philippians chapter 3 is where the man who wrote half of the Bible tells his story. His name is Paul. He is an apostle. His wife, the wife, you know, the apostles, their wives were the epistles. And uh, he is an apostle. And uh, he tells his story in Philippians 3, gives his testimony. And here's his testimony. I want to abbreviate a little bit before we get to the big part. He tells his story and here's what he tells. I, he was well-educated. He would be the equivalent of an Ivy League education today. He was educated in the greatest school of that generation. It's called the School of Gamaliel. He was a well-educated man. He pursued his own plan for his life. He had a plan for his life. He pursued it. And he was very good at what he did. Matter of fact, he said, I excelled my peers. And he did. And this guy was a very successful, well-educated. He was very successful. But something happened to him. He, he met Jesus. He not only met Jesus, he decided to change gears. He decided to ditch all of his plans and follow God's plan for his life. And he gave up. I mean, on paper, what he did was crazy. And people laughed at this man for what he did. But he said, I've gained the treasure. And I, you know, he, he talks about, here's what I did. I was so successful. I was well-educated. But all of a sudden, on a set day, I decided... What used to, and he said this way, what used to be the most important thing to me is worth no more than a bag of garbage now. That's Philippians 3. He said, it's just garbage to me now. That means nothing. To me. He said, I spent my whole life pursuing it, but now it's garbage to me and I've changed gears. And I want you to pick up with me in verse uh, 12 through 15. This is what he said. He said, I've changed gears and I'm, now I'm pursuing a different vision. Not that I've already attained or already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ laid hold of me. Do you understand that? He said, I've given up my dream. And he said, I am pressing forward. I want you to hear, listen to the language. I'm pressing to lay hold. He's going after it. For what Christ created me for. He said, Christ created me and called me. He said, now I'm living for what he created me for. And he said, I'm not just hoping it happens and I'm not sitting on my fanny. I am pressing and I'm going to get hold of what Jesus got hold of me for. In verse 13, he said this, Brethren, I do not count myself to apprehended. Our word would be arrived. I hadn't arrived yet. He said, I have not finished everything God created me to do. And let me point something out. This is the last book he wrote. He's 63 years old here. And at 63, he says, I have not finished what Jesus put me on this earth to do. He said, but I am pressing on to find out what he wants me to do. Verse 13, I've not apprehended one thing I do. This man's he's single-minded in his life. He said, I know what I'm going to do and I'm going to do it. And I love this. Watch this. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to the things which are ahead. I am not going to let my past dictate my future. I don't care what I've done in the past. The, bad, the past is behind me. But what he's, I want you to watch these words. Now, by the way, let me point something out here. This is not just his story. This is the Bible. This is God talking to you. This is God speaking to you right here. You need to memorize this. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are out there. Every one of you in this room, there's some things out there. 
There's some things out there. And he said, forget the past. Now he had a bad past and a good past. There's two things that will ruin your future. A bad past and a good past. Because your bad past will keep you in shame. You'll say, there's no hope for me. Your good past will cause you to waste the rest of your life cheering on what's already happened. He said, forget it. Listen, this man's 63 years old. It's time for him to put on some Velcro tennis shoes and go to Biscuitville. <laughs> He's not winding down yet. He said, forgetting that stuff. And he had a terrible past. He was a murderer. But he had a great past. He wrote half the Bible by this age. Let me know if you'd written half the Bible by now, you might put it on cruise control. He said, forget that. There's still some things out there for me. And I am pressing forward to those things that are still out there. Now listen to me. <clears throat> and you're going to see it in a minute. You need to adopt the same attitude. You need to have the same mind. He said, forgetting the things that are behind, I press forward to what's ahead. Verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call. He's been saved for years. He's a good man. He says, there's more to life than being saved and being good. I want to lay hold of everything Jesus planned for me. I press toward the goal. This, you understand the language here. This is, you know, this is, this is Greek culture. Uh, Olympic games, press toward the goal. That was the phrase used for when you're, when you're running in the Olympic race and you lean forward, you stretch out to get to the tape. That's the language here. I'm stretching to, to get everything that's out there still yet. Let's read a little bit more here. All right, toward the goal for Christ. Verse 15, let, therefore let us, now who's us? It's not him, this is us now. As many as are mature have the same mind or heart set attitude. Listen, you grow up in Jesus, it ought to be your mindset right here. I, I, I'm done living for my plans. I'm done living for myself and cheeseburgers and burping and movies. I want to find out why God put me on this earth. And I'm going to press in there and I don't care if I'm 105, there's still some things out there. I'm telling you they're out. You, say, well, I, I, you don't know how bad I've been. Let me, let me say it again. Watch my mouth. Forgetting those things which are behind. Do not let your past ruin your future. Bad or good. And this is, I love this path. Let me, let me say it again. You're created for vision. There's something down here is going, while I'm talking tonight, something down here is going to be going, <laughs> not a, up here is going to be saying, get a good, safe job in a bank. If you work in a bank, I'm sorry. Get a good, safe job in a bank with a retirement. Don't screw it up. And your heart's going to go, die. Your heart's born to drink. God put this heart in here for vision. We're designed to be goal-oriented, but it's Father's vision. Let me just quote some verses. I know the plans I have for you. Good, not evil, future, so that you can live in hope of the future. That's, that's Jeremiah 29, 11. Listen to verse 13. Come find me. You will call on me and seek me and you'll find what I've planned. I'm telling you, he's written things for every life out there. Uh, the, one of my favorites is Ephesians 2.10 that says this. We are the handiwork of God. We are God's creation. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, good plans, good things that God prepared before time began so we could live them out. Oh, you can't make it no clearer than that. Before time began, he knew your name and he planned some things. I love Jeremiah chapter one says this. Before I knit you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I appointed you. Oh, I could show you all through scripture, this thing about him. Uh, Psalm 139. All my days were written in your book before you knit me in my mother's womb. He had, he had plans for you before, I think, not just before you was born. I think before he ever said, let there be light. Yeah. Second Timothy says, before the foundation of the world. 
You say, how do you figure that out? Don't, don't try to figure with him. Just listen to what he says. Listen to me. His vision is your heart's desire. His vision is the only thing that can fill your heart. Nehemiah 2.12 says this. I told no one what my God put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. And God put something in his heart that he wanted him to do and plans for his life. I, you know, I, call, I love Psalm chapter 40, verse eight. I chew on this and all the time. I delight to do your will. And your plans are in the middle of my heart. Psalm 37, four, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Understand this. He, he, he shaped your heart. This is Hebrews chapter eight, verse 10 and chapter 10, verse 12. I will write my plans in their heart. I'll write my will on their heart. You know what that means? He has a plan for your life and then he shapes your heart to love that plan. All right. I want you to understand this, that we're created for his vision. Now, listen to me. You can miss his vision for your life and have a good life and, and have a great life. But I want to tell you something. You're going to have an empty heart. You have an empty heart. One of the craziest, ver- well, I'm sorry. I'm not mean to call you verse crazy. I'm sorry. It's just wild. Psalm 106, 15 says this. He let them do it their way, but their hearts were empty. He let them do it their way, but sent leanness to their souls. That's America right there now. I thought if we got these funky cell phones that would reach Mars, we'd be happy. What more can we have in this nation? I don't care what you got till you get his plan for your heart and get it. Something down here is just going to be absent. This is America. Let me tell you what, if I, if I miss his vision and I don't get his perfect will and his plans going in my life, I, I might be rich, I might be successful, I might be well thought of, but I'm going to be so dissatisfied in my soul. I'm going to be Mick Jagger Jr., who at 78 years old still can't get no satisfaction. He's telling the stinking truth. What is it with all these people that have achieved the American dream? But look at them. LeBron James, filthy rich, great athlete, got a million some people following him on that Tudor thing. Have you ever ever seen a more miserable human being in your life? Look in his eyes and listen to him talk. We have fallen for a lie that if I can get rich and famous and, and raise hell or rock and roll or whatever, or be a priest, God bless you, whatever. If you don't hit his best for your life, you're going to have a hole in your soul. Hey, listen to me. He created your heart. He's the only one that can satisfy it and fill it and really, really give it what we're, what we're looking for. If you don't find his vision, you're just going to live going through the motions. You're just going to exist. Have a good have a good one. I want to say, good what? Then there's this lie called retirement. Now, if you quit this job and quit taking a salary so you can go do something, that's fine. You know what miserable is? I got, I got several friends. They, just, they couldn't wait to retire. And then they retired and sat down. And after about three months, they were miserable and fat. <laughs> there is no retirement in God's economy. Yes, you can quit a job not taking a pay take a paycheck. But listen, Psalm chapter 90 says this, you will be fresh and flourishing in your old age, still bearing fruit. The anointing of God will be fresh on you. You're supposed to be rocking till you croak. Maybe not in the same vein, but we got to get off this American plane. It ain't working out. There's three places of vision that you can live. Number one, no vision. You live with no vision in your life. Listen to what Proverbs 29, 18 says. 
where there is no vision, the people perish. Oh, your body's going to keep moving and your heart's going to keep beating and you might keep making money, but you're going to die on the inside. We die with that. We were born by, created by God to dream and have a vision and, and live in it. But if there's no vision and how many people do I know today, they just, they get up, they drag to work, they hate their jobs, they drag home, they hate their home. I mean, San Francisco won the football game the other night. You can't get no worse than that. Talk to me, doc. And that's about all we got to look forward to. Where there's no vision, the people perish. We were not created to live without a vision. Now listen to me though. You can pursue your own vision. You say, I got a plan for my life. And this is what I'm gonna do with my life. I've got it all laid out. Here's my education. Here's what I'm gonna do. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna be good at it. I right, listen to me. You're gonna start out great. And you're gonna be excited. I love to watch kids graduate from college and they're gonna throw themselves into their whatever career. Call them back 20 years from now. If it's your plan, it'll fizzle out. I was talking with a girl the other day. She went, she went into, she wanted to be a social worker. Went to college, became a social worker. What happens to most social workers after 10 years? She was angry, bitter at the system. She said, I thought I could make a difference. Let me tell you something. There's nothing wrong with the system. She wasn't pursuing God's plan for her life. You, You can pursue your dream. Matter of fact, listen to me. There's an entire book in the Bible given to people who pursued great dreams and found them, but found it it wasn't God's dream. What's the name of that book? The whole book's written for that one reason, Ecclesiastes. And the Ecclesiastes, the theme of Ecclesiastes is useless. King James says vanity. And it's the world's wealthiest man, the world's smartest man. And he talks about people who pursued music. They pursued biology. They pursued building. They pursued pleasure. And the word over and over in Ecclesiastes, vanity. What did he say? I'm just empty. I've got everything a man can get, but I'm empty on the inside. That's why it's the theme is vanity. And here's the message. Pursue your own vision. You might be successful, but you'll be miserable. I'm just a young man fixing this, distilling. Matter of fact, I think I just got out of college, a few weeks out of college. For some reason, I stopped at a car lot one night and nobody was there and I was looking at the cars and a guy walked out dressed real nice. Turns out he was the owner of the car lot. Well, he knew I didn't have enough money to buy a car. And so we, we got to talking and for some reason, he just opened his heart to me. I remember sort of misty that evening. We're standing out there. He puts his bumper up on the foot. Of, didn't put his bumper on his foot, put his foot on the bumper. And uh, he standing. We just talking for a while and he was talking to me. He said, tell me what you're going to do. And I told him, he said, son, and he looked, he said, don't make the mistake I made. I never even met this guy. I said, what? He said, I live to make money and I've got car dealerships. He said, I'm a rich man and I'm successful and people think a lot of me. He said, my kids won't talk to me. My marriage has failed. I missed it. He said, it's too late for me. He said, don't you pursue that. I never even met the guy in my life. I believe God sent him there to speak to me. How, how, how have we, we've seen this happen over and over. You pursue your vision, it's going to be empty. But let me tell you what happens. If you find his plan for your life, and you'll get in there and stay there. His vision for your life. Let me tell you what the Bible says will happen to you. And this is the promise of God. Number one, you're going to find contentment. You'll find contentment of soul in his will. I could give you many verses on this. My favorite was John 4, 34, where it says this. My food is to do the will of the father who sent me. My, my food, what feeds me, what, what excites me and lights me up is to do the will of him who sent me. If you find the will of God and get in his plans for your life, that'd be great contentment. Number two, passion. We are a passionless culture right now. Uh, people talk about movies, zombies. What do you need? You don't need a movie to see zombies. Go to Walmart. 
go to the average church for crying out loud. We're a zombie nation. People just walk around empty, miserable. Dear ones, God's will for your life is a passionate thing. I love Ephesians 6, 6 says it's doing the will of God from the heart. From the heart. I mean, when you find his plan, you'll do it from the heart. When's the last time you jumped out of bed in the morning and said, I can't wait to be here today and it wasn't vacation? I mean, there's a drive when your heart comes alive. That's what it means, doing the will of God from the heart. And, and there's a passion. Like Number three, there's a delight in his will. You will enjoy his will. You'll just enjoy it. Now, see, I was lied to as a young man. I, I was told you got to follow Jesus. I thought, I'm too young to follow Jesus. I want to live. Because, you know, I'd seen so many religious people and I thought, you think I'm going to give up Led Zeppelin and rock and roll and good looking women and raising hell for that? I ain't trading Led Zeppelin for organ music. You're nuts. Well, I didn't know. Let me tell you something. You'll find great joy in the will of God. I de- listen, I delight to do your will. Can I point? Let me, let, me, can, let me say something to you. I don't know what's happening in churches. He who created the sunset, the smile on the baby's face, the mist over the Blue Ridge and the coastal plains. He who has pooped out his paint set this time of the year do you think he'd make a dull life? I'm driving another day. I had to go over to Academy across the interstate on Helton Mill over the other day. And I pull in and right there in front of the McDonald's, actually on the Academy lot, there was a tree that was on fire. It was a maple tree. It was either one of them uh, autumn glories or one of them fall blazes, whatever. I, that thing, I just pulled, I stopped right in the road, got out and took a picture of it. <laughs> and I just said, look what you did. It was green not long ago. Now it's bright orange. You think a guy that can do that's going to paint a dull gray life? Come on, guys. By the way, he does that on the side. That's his hobby. You the big deal. Your life is the big deal he's after. But you find great delight. And then number four, listen to me. The Bible says you find his plan for your life, you're going to find success. So how many people are so, it's not working out today. His plan has success. Jesus said in John 15, it abide in me, you're going to bear much fruit. Because his touch is on his plan. Really not, it's not your plan, it's his plan. And let me tell you what the Bible teaches. If you find his plan, he's responsible for making it work. There's grace for every good work, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. If, if you ever get in his will, you realize this is him doing this right here. He'll make it work. That's why you need to pursue his vision. And uh, now listen to me carefully. You think about finding the vision from God or God's will, you think you're going to become religious or be a priest or a preacher or, or something like that. No. He's the God of life. He's not the God of religion. He's not just the God of Sundays. He's the God of Wednesdays. He created everything there is. Commerce, labor. He created romance. He created kissing for crying out loud. Y'all don't know that. His, he, uh, let, let me ask you a question. Who's the first man in the Bible God ever filled with the Holy Spirit? You know, turn with me to Exodus 31. I want you to see something. Exodus 31, it's the first time in the Bible we see where God fills a man with the Holy Spirit. Now you think of being filled with the Holy Spirit, if you're Pentecostal in the background, you think you're Aunt Louise. Or you think, of, you think of being filled with the Holy Spirit to preach or be a missionary or something like that. But we, we got to get him out of this silly little religious box and get him where he belongs. He's the God of life. All right, the first guy that's ever filled with the Holy Spirit in the Bible, his name's Bezalel. You've probably never heard that name before. Here it is. Exodus 31. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I've called by name Bezalel, verse three, 
I've filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom, understanding, knowledge, all manner of what? Worksmanship or craftsmanship. Not preaching, craftsmanship. To design artistic works, to work in gold, silver, bronze, cutting jewels for settings, carving of wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. First man ever filled with the Holy Spirit, what was it for? So he could do woodworking. So he could do artwork. So he could craft jewelry. It had nothing to do with preaching or teaching or you know, understanding the Bible or leading music, worship music. The first man God ever filled with the Holy Spirit was a craftsman. There was, uh, he, if he called everybody to be a preacher, wouldn't he be a boring lot? Besides, who would listen? Because you know, a preacher ain't listening to nobody. Listen, just as surely as God might call somebody to preach, he calls people to be educators. He is the author of education. Listen to me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge. He calls people to be educators. I know I've told you this for my wife. If ever anybody was called by God and found her mission in life, she found it. She was born and called of God to be a kindergarten teacher. She's been doing it 110 years now. She's not about to slow down. She loves it. Jumps out of the bed every morning at five o'clock, ready to go see them kids. Now, shoot me with my own pistol. I'd be in jail by lunchtime. What them snotty-nosed youngins rubbing all over me? But I, he didn't create me to do that. But he created her heart to love that. And she does. She, and she's good at it. He calls different people to be different things like that. God's called people to be leaders. People got gifts of leadership. Now, don't use it to lead to hell's angels. Use it for some good. Crying out loud, go to Washington and take over and lead us out of this mess. Can I get a witness? I, I've had enough blind leaders leading blind people. I need somebody who's got some vision. Since <laughs> it, all right. God gives people. I've met men that know beyond shadow of a doubt. Women have got a gift for God in business. I mean, they just got a gift from God to do it. He created people because He created commerce, music. Listen, God. God created some people just for family. How did He fix your heart? And if you take a a business heart and you put it in some other industry, you you might can pull it off if you're sharp, but you can be miserable. You've got to find, he crafts different hearts for different things. Listen to what the Bible said. Do not be conformed to this world. That's Romans 12. Do not be conformed. Don't let your culture tell you how to live. Don't let them cram you into the standard mold. Don't let your parents cram you into a mold. Don't, listen to me. Don't let finances cram you into a mold. Don't let the American dream of having such and such a house cram you into a mold. You'll get that big house and you'll be miserable in it. And then you got to dust the sucker too. That ain't be no fun. I'm fishing one time, me and Caleb fishing, met this boy's name is Brian Gooden. Brian fishes on the Outer Banks. And uh, we were fishing for a uh, big drum that day. We do a lot of sitting, waiting on them. So me and him said, we got to talking. He's a Christian, loves Jesus. And we got to talking about Jesus and, and back and forth. I said, tell me a story. And he's a sixth generation waterman. Five, his dad, grandpa, great, great grandpa, they were all sea captains. And he said, my daddy told me, he said, you ain't living like this. This is too hard a living. I'm going to send you to college. You're going to go to college. You're going to get a good job, make a living. You ain't going to live like it's too hard. He said, my daddy sent me to a place called Chapel Hill. I said, your daddy hated you. He said, daddy sent me to a place. <laughs> daddy sent him to college. And he got a college degree at Carolina. And he said, the day I graduated, I went right straight back to Marshallburg, North Carolina, and told my daddy I'm going to be a sea captain. 
And he said, I don't, I could have made much more money in Raleigh. He's a sharp guy. He said, I could have made much more money. I could have had, you know, a more prestigious job. He said, I don't make that much. And these are his exact words. I'm living a dream out here. It's, you know why? He found what God created him to do. Found what God created him to do. You said, I can't imagine God making somebody a fisherman. Who's the first four apostles along with their epistles? Who's the first four he called? They're ones we've got to get back. We got a guy in our church here. He had a, a, a good job with a big fancy company. If I said the name, you'd know it. Uh, comf, you know, comfortable benefits, yada, yada, and all that. Wearing a tie, going to work, secure future if he'd just behave. Yeah, just don't turn nothing up, you'd be all right. Just wasn't in his heart. So he took a risk and broke loose and got into the cattle feeding business creating cattle feeding holders and waters and stuff like that. Took a risk. And he said, I'm having the time of my life. And that, that thing is blown up. Got a tremendous company now right on the front of his webpage, of his business webpage, all for the glory of Christ. 10% of our income goes to these ministries. And God just, you know, he had a great job. All he had to do is hang in there a few more years, retire with a pension and all that. But he's having a great day. He's found God's plan for his life. He said, God made somebody be a cattle feeder? You never read in the Bible where he owns the cattle on a thousand hills? Don't you think he'd create somebody to feed them? Sure he would. But you, you got to find your, your thing. I think I told this, but I'm 64. I repeat a lot. Several months ago, I'm talking to one of our younger. I love to talk to these kids about the future. And this was a young girl. She just got out of high school. She's 19 years old. Beautiful little girl, sharp. I said, so tell me what you're going to do. And she sort of hesitated. She said, well, I'm not sure. I said, yeah, you are. What you going to do? Everybody at 19 knows everything. Can I get a witness? I said, uh, you know what you're going to do? And she said, well, and she was almost hesitant to tell me. She said, I just want to get married and be a wife and be a mother and have a bunch of children live on a farm. I said, cheers for you, sunshine. Congratulations. And I could tell by the way she said it, she told somebody and they put her down for it. Because you know, see, don't be conformed to this world. Don't waste your life being a mama. Go to college, get a degree be a designer, well, whatever, whatever. And I told her, I said, if that's what God's put in your heart, that's exactly what you need to do. And don't you let, and I said, let me tell you that. If that's what God's put in your heart, Romeo's out there somewhere. It's hard to be a wife and a mama without a Romeo. I said, make sure you do it in that order, wife, mama. I said, I said, listen, don't let anybody steal from you what God's put in your heart. Nobody. I said, you follow your, you follow God's plan for your life. And if that's what he's, and listen, she's a spiritual little girl. She's, she knows what he's doing. And I said, don't you let anybody talk to you. Don't you let anybody shame you either. I had a funeral this past week for a man. Wonderful guy, just a little bit older than me. And I was talking to his wife and uh, she said, I'm going to tell you something. She said, I met him when I was 14. First date was when I turned 15. She said, all I ever wanted to do in life was to marry him and be his wife and have children. And I wanted a ranch house and live my life as a wife and a mama. And she said, that's what we did. She's 70 some years old. She said, I've had the greatest life. I hadn't missed a thing. I've been content all my life. You know what? She found God's plan for her life. There was, he might call you to be the president. Please stand up. <laughs> I'm going to get killed. I ain't thrilled with this one nor the last one either. Just make y'all mad. But let me tell you something, if he calls you to be a mother, there ain't nothing you can do to bring you greater joy. I delight to do your will. You'll find his plan for your life. 
Uh, let me tell you about a friend of mine. His name's Ken Helzer. Ken Helzer was a rock and roller and uh, he, he made a lot of money traveling. This is back 60s before your mom ever met your daddy and uh, doing great. Riding down the road in the bus one night, they're going to the next deal and he was smoking hash. Y'all old enough to know what hash is. Uh, never mind. Y'all own them amphetamines now. And uh, he turned around to his bass. No, it was his drummer behind him. He said, you need to try this. It's really good. I said, look at Mercedes sitting there reading the Bible. He said, no, I'm done with that. He said, you need to try this. It's really good. He said, what are you doing? He said, I found Jesus last night. I met Jesus last night. Come sit beside me. Let me read this to you. Read it to him. He gave his heart to Jesus. He was transformed immediately. Got out of the rock and roll world. He said, well, I had a few more dates I had to fulfill because of contract. He said, I got out of it. And he said, and immediately I knew God wanted me to preach the gospel. But now listen, what happened? I don't know how this worked out, but God was merciful to him. He knew not to go the standard religious route. So what do you do? You get, God calls you. Well, churches grab you. Men grab you and tell you what to do. Go to our school. This is the way we preach the word. And they teach how to preach. And then you have to go get with a bunch of crabby old ladies fussing about yada yada and all that stuff. That would have killed him. He'd have killed them. And he just sort of launched out and did it his own way. And he, instead of getting to church, he opens a... Remember coffee house days in the 1970s? This is before coffee shops came around. They were called coffee houses. It's just a place where teenagers come hang around and you'd, you'd drink soda. Didn't have no coffee. I don't know if they had coffee there or not. Drink soda and they'd play guitars. It was a kumbaya days. And he'd just love on them and preach. And he brought runaways in there. Then he bought a farm and brought people out there and ministered to them. And, uh, and then all his life, he'd just been in this different, all over the place type of ministry. He ain't done nothing right. God's blessed the fire out of it. Because he, the same Jesus that called him led him. And instead of being a traditional minister, he just let God lead him through the whole thing. And he said, I've had the time of my life. Because he, because he found, he knew to find the plan of God. Mr. Barna came out with a new poll this past week. He's the top religious poster in America. Here's what he found, a recent survey. 40% of American pastors are trying to get out of the ministry. Think about that. 40% of ministers want to get out of the ministry. You say they're wicked. No, they're not. God called them, but they're not where they need to be. If you delight to do his will, would you want to get out of it? They got crammed into a religious mold instead of let's say, now you show me how to do it. And I got a feeling a lot of them like me, they can't stand to have something tied around their neck anyway. Blessed dear hearts. And 50% said, if I could make a living doing something else, I'd go do it. They're not bad men. They just hadn't found his best for their lives. You would pay to be in the center of his will. That's, that's all of our nation. All right, let's talk about the how. We've we got to run around the how. We've got to talk about the how. Say, so if I decide, if I decide that I want to find his vision, how do I do it? All right, let me help you a little bit here. Number one, you've got to repent. You know what repent means, don't. It don't mean cry and feel bad about yourself. Repent, the word repent means change your mind. You've got to change your mind. It simply means you've got to make a decision. I'm not pursuing my plans anymore. Now I'm going to pursue yours. Jesus didn't say, go to the altar and slobber. Jesus said, what? Follow me. I mean, it means you've got to surrender. your living. You can't have your plans and his plans. Go ahead and get miserable with yours so you can get to his fast. Besides, how's yours working out? Never mind. You just got to, you got to say, I want your plans. I want your vision. And you got to mean it. That's all you got to do. He, you, he's real smart. He knows if you're telling the truth. Just, oh, I want your plans. All right, number one, you got it. Number two, before you begin to pray, do this. Look at how you're crafted. Now listen to a lot of people don't, haven't been taught this. Look at how you're crafted. 
Uh, you know, the Bible said in Ephesians 2.10 that we are his craftsmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You say, well, I believe God crafted me to be an NFL. Well, if you're five foot two and weigh 90 pounds, you ain't got the craft to be an NFL. He didn't craft you to be an NFL. If you say God's called me to lead worship and people run when you sing, you ain't crafted to do that. You got to look at how you're put together. What, uh, Rick Warren out there in California, he calls it your shape. I don't mean your physical shape. Um, I'm on, I'll use his. Number, th- number one, look at your spiritual gift and it'll tell you where you're supposed to be. What are your spiritual gifts? What, you know, everybody's got spiritual gifts. If you're born again, you've got spiritual gifts. What are your spiritual gifts? I'll just sort of tell you where you're supposed to be. If your gift is administration, you are not called to preach. Vice versa. Number two, here's the big one. We're going to come back to this. Look at your heart. Look in your heart. What's in your heart? Now, I'm not talking about your carnal desires. and I'm just talking about spend time with God and what comes up out of your heart. If he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, people ask about that verse. That's Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Does that mean that he'll give you and put desires in your heart? Or he'll give you what your heart's desire is. Well, the answer is yes, both of them. Philippians 2.13 says this, God is working in you. Listen to me, God is working in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. He's working in you to cause you to want to do it, to will, and then to bring it to pass. You spend time with God, what comes up out of your heart? What flows out of your heart? Number three of the SHAA is abilities. What are your abilities? What are you good at? What are you naturally bent toward? And you know, if, if, he's crea- if, he's, if, if he creates you, since he knew what he wanted you to do, he's giving you the tools. What are your good natural tools? Uh, your abilities that you've got. Number four, the P, personality. I do not have the personality to be a kindergarten teacher. Shut up and sit down. That ain't gonna work in kindergarten classes. I really should have been a drill instructor. What, what's your personality? You know, if you, if you got my personality and you think you called counsel, you're deceived. <laughs> Suck it up, buttercup. You'll be all right. That ain't going to work in a counseling session. <laughs> what, is your, what is your personality bent toward? You know, what do you, now, say your spiritual gift is mercy and you, your heart is so tender toward people and you've got this personality. I, I've uh, talked, to, I talked to a little girl, I talked to several recently. They work in what's called hospice hospice care. And I said, I love it. God's called them to take care of folks in the last stages of life. They got the gifting for it. They, their hearts ache for, they have a gift. Their spiritual gift is mercy. They hurt where people are hurting. They've got the person, that gentle personality. They're just geared toward, what's your personality? What's personality geared toward? And then number five, what's your experience or your circumstances? What's going on around you? Look at what's going on around you. Let me tell you how to look at what's going on around you. Revelation chapter two says this, behold, I set before you an open door. Nobody can close it. When you find his plan for your life, nobody can stop it. I set before you an open door. What, what are the opportunities in front of you? What's around you? And let me throw in a few questions you need to ask here. You've probably heard this before. Spend some quiet time. Just think about this. If money were no object, I mean, money were no object, what would I do with my life? And you just, you got to quieten down on the inside and meditate on this. If money were no object, uh, ask this question. If I could do anything on this earth I wanted to do, what would it be? And give that time to brew. You know what I mean by brew? Uh, the biblical word for brew is meditate. Give it time to meditate. But just, just look at your heart. What's in your heart? What are your dreams? 
What's in there? Now listen, if it changes every 48 hours, I need him. That's why you got to give it time because his dream will come in there and it'll stay and it'll grow bigger and bigger. Your mind will go back to it. You find yourself thinking about it. And uh, that's why you need to look at your shape. I call it your shape. I, look at your crafting. What's, what's God made you to do? What's he made you to be? So number one, you got to turn your hearts out. I want, I want your plans. And now sort of look around at yourself, your dr- spiritual gifts, your dreams, your heart, your opportunities. Look at that thing. And then number three, you've got to pursue the Father for direction. You've got, you got to pray. And you begin to pray. I don't mean to say, I'm going to stand here to you tell me. That ain't going to work right there. Just talk to him like a father and say, I, I really do want, want your own life. I want to spend time with you just waiting and meditating and scripture, whatnot, and just pray. But listen to me. You, you might not find out on day one, but you got to wait. You got to just wait. Listen, here's the promise. He will reveal himself. He's not hiding from you. If a son asked for bread from a father, would he give him a rock? Call on me. Jeremiah 33, 3, call on me. I'll answer you. Now listen to me. Don't expect to hear a word. Doctor, don't, that's, not what, that's not how it works. I will give you the desires of your heart. It comes up out of your heart and I'll put thoughts in your mind. And over time, you'll just sort of sense. Right there. That's what I'm going to do right there. And you begin to follow that passion. Uh, Nehemiah 2.12, let me quote it again. I told no one what God put in my heart. And if you go back and look how it happened, God just slowly changed his heart, turned it in that direction and gave him a desire and a burden to do something. The desire of your heart is God working in your life to bring into his plan for your life. All right, let me, uh, let me tell you something about his, about his plan. Um, he's, he, if you go by the Bible, nothing's off limits to him. You say, well, you know, Brother Brian, I'm expected to do this. He don't expect nothing out of nobody except to be obeyed. In other words, he'll call you to do something wild. There's no limitations with him. I mean, you, you just look at all the people in the Bible he did this to. Well, the Bible is God teaching us. But listen, let me say this. Let me talk to you about this. God's vision will always have a risk to it. God's vision's always got a risk. If, you're a, if you don't like risk, you ain't gonna walk with him. You have to take a risk to follow his vision. Genesis to Revelation, what do you see? It's just risky. Henry Blackaby wrote one of the great studies, I believe, in history in my generation called Experiencing God. Had the seven realities of how to begin to walk with God and experience God. And uh, he says, let me just, I just got him here. We, we may look at this. He said, God's working in the earth. He owns the earth. He runs the earth. He's always at work. But he's always pursuing before, listen to me, before he shows you his will, he wants you to be his friend. He's pursuing a love relationship with his children. Before I want my son to have a job somewhere, I want him to be my son. You understand that? He's always pursuing a love relationship with you. Number three, he invites you to be a part of what he's doing in the earth through this relationship. He wants to pull you into what he's doing in the earth. Number four, he speaks by his spirit, through the word, through people. He speaks to you in different ways. Number five, God's call on your life will always lead you to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. There's going to come a time when you're going to have to do something. And I love number six. You must make major adjustments in your life to join him in what he's doing. Isn't that the the history of the Bible? And then, of course, number seven is you you begin to find your part in his heart in the earth 
and you delight in what you're doing and it's blessed and you say, I'd pay for this. Let me give you a great verse concerning the plans of God and the will and the vision of God for your life. This is Matthew 13, 44, 5, 40. It's in the, it's in the neighborhood drive around there. Matthew 13, 44, 46, somewhere in there. And it says this, the kingdom of God is like a man who found treasure hidden and it is hidden, hidden in a field and for joy over what he found, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. That can't be salvation. You didn't have to pay for your salvation. But this is talking about a man who found the plans of God for his life. They're hidden, but he found them. Guess why you find something that's hidden? Somebody tell me. You're looking for it, but he found it. Why did he, listen, he had to sell everything he had to get those plans. But why did he do it? Because it's the right thing to do. Uh -uh. Who for joy over what he found, gave up everything he had. That's the verse. That, and then the next one's like it. It says, it's like a man searching for beautiful pearls. He finds one pearl so valuable, he's willing to give up every pearl he's got to get that one pearl. That's a picture of finding the plan of God and the will of God and the vision that God has for you. It'll be so precious to you and so valuable. You'll, you'll make the change. You'll give up everything you've got to be a part of it. All right, let me ask you a question about something. Let me tell you the greatest hindrance to God's plan for your life. It's not uh, cocaine. It's not lying. You know what the greatest hindrance to God, God's will in your life is? It's called the, it's the C word, comfort zone. You know what a comfort zone is? Do anybody know what a comfort zone is? How many of you got one? Once some awesome man says, you're getting me a little out of my comfort zone, I think, it's called Christianity, doc. You know what a comfort zone is? It's where hearts go to die. Comfort zone is where you're safe, you get a pension, everybody smiles at you, and your heart dies. The comfort zone is where the human heart dies. If that ain't the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, what is? American Christianity has become comfort zone Christianity. This book knows nothing of it. Ask Moses, Daniel, David, Paul, anybody in there. Comfort zone kill you. And you're going to have to choose between living in the comfort zone and following Jesus and knowing the joy, the comfort zone. Let me tell you something. Uh, three things. Comfort, financial security, and the approval of men will cost you the will of God, but it's not worth an empty life. It's not worth an empty heart. And you've got to give up your comfort. You probably got to give up financial security. We worship security in this nation. Who is the living God? I, let me tell you something. I am a financially secure man. You know why? Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's fine. You won't get no better financial security than that. All right, let me, let me walk you through some men. I've quoted Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a man, had a government job, had a comfortable job. He was in the top cabinet. Life was very good. He bought him a little Beamer convertible, enjoying his life. He was set for life, government pension. And all of a sudden, God began to put something in his heart about people that were hurting somewhere else. And he, he, it just stayed there. And he said, I wept over it. It just kept coming up in his heart. Finally, the day came, got to make a decision. You go live this comfortable life in the government, with a government job, with all this money, and you're going to do this? Or are you going to give it all up and go do what I want you to go do? And he made a decision. He went. And he lost his paycheck, lost his security, lost his pension. But he found the will of God for his life, and he loved it. Why is that in the Bible? Moses, Abraham called to leave his family and the city he lived in and go to a land he didn't know anything about. And I'll be your source when you get there. All through the Bible, people had to get out of this zone and follow him. 
uh, about my blood brother, Paul. He was a man who had risen to, by 35 years old. He was at the top of his career, well-respected, financially secure. And he gave it all up and took a job as a common laborer, making tents with his hands to pursue the plan of God for his life. And listen to what he said. The whole book of Philippians says this. I rejoice with you all. If I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice of people's faith, I am glad and rejoice. He found, he found his heart's contentment when he found God's best for his life. But he had to give something up to get there. Uh, it was a, sometimes it's a little radical to go for the best, follow Jesus. What you gonna do? Sit there and die till he gets back? I got a friend of mine. He owned, the, I think it was the best restaurant in our city. My wife and I, was our favorite place to eat. My wife and I had our wedding rehearsal dinner at his restaurant. 60 some years old, he was comfortable, made a lot of money in that restaurant, had a good life. All he had to do was wind it on down, get him some Velcro shoes, he about to wrap it up. At 60 some years old, he closed that restaurant down, went to the sheriff and said, I wanna become a deputy. But I wanna, if I'm gonna do it, I wanna help people caught in sex trafficking. That's always been in my heart to help people caught in sex trafficking. Listen to me, for a 60 some year old man to give up a six figure job and that kind of comfort and go into deputy and at 60 some years old and start chasing perverts, he's lost his mind. But he did it. Guess what he found? Having the time of my life out here. And uh, he didn't, instead of selling beef, he began to save young girls' lives and help kids. But he, he, he had to make a radical adjustment to find the plan of God for his life. Then when, so be it. I've always prayed for your kids, not that they'll get a good job so you can impress the folks in the bridge club. <laughs> by the way, them ain't your kids anyway. They were they created by him and for him. And I've always prayed over my kids. I don't want them to be successful. I want them to find your best for their lives. I want your will to be done in my kids' lives. So let me tell you a sad story. My son goes to NC State, graduates magna cum laude. I don't know if you know what that means, but that's, the, that's as high as you can get. He graduated number one in his class. And his dad graduated from a lesser school with the help of the good laude. That's how he got out of that thing. <laughs> I promise you, his, his GPA was double mine. I'm not, he's much smarter than I am. He graduated top of his class, landed a great job with a great company, a lot of opportunity. His office is on Emerald Isle Beach looking out over the water. I mean, he had it made. Great company. They liked him. Made a ton of money right off the bat. But after one year, he said, you know what? Got a great company, great future. All I got to do is behave here. He said, this ain't what's in my heart. It's not what God's called me to do. He knew it because it wasn't in his heart. So he left that opportunity, he left that security, he left that pension, left all that stuff and uh, went out and struck out on his own where there's no security. You won't make near as much money, but you'll find your heart's desire and God's will for your life. Remember the first man God ever filled with the Holy Spirit was a carpenter to do carpentry work and to do artistic designing in that. And I said, Oh, I'm so disappointed in you, son. I paid all that money for you to go to school and learn how to be a businessman. And, and what? I was thrilled. I was thrilled. I've watched too many people get to the top of the ladder, find out they leaned it against the wrong wall at the end of their lives. So my middle daughter, she goes to Appalachian State. She's going to learn how to be a teacher. She, goes, she graduates, goes to be a teacher. After one year, she said, them people's nuts. 
Now I don't know, she just realized, I missed it. That's not my, it's not God's call on my life. She gave up a career. She gave up the security. She gave up the paycheck. She took a job making less money with no pension that I really wondered if she could handle because it was rough. She's having the time of her life. But she's found, and she's a praying girl. She's found God's plan for her life. All right, child number three. <laughs> Sent him to a private college. Got a job teaching high school math. After a little while, said, this ain't it. Gave that up. God have mercy. I just paid for three college educations. Ain't done none of them using them now. <laughs> but let me tell you something. It's not about the American dream come true. It's about thy will be done. That's right. And listen, you say, well, that's great for kids that age. What about me? Moses was a cowboy. At 80 years old, he prayed a prayer and said, I've spent 80 years doing my plan. Now I'm going to do your plan. 80 years old, he shifted gears. Did anybody remember the name Moses? If he hadn't given up his plan at 80 and followed God's plan, you'd have never heard his name, who became the greatest human leader in world history, according to historians. 80 is not too late to start. Caleb started at 85. Abraham started at 99. 99, I ain't changing nothing except my diapers. I ain't, I ain't gonna happen right there. Here's the point. I, I plead with you tonight. I don't care where you are. I don't care what you've done or where you've been. If you could see what he has written in his book on his desk for you, you'd crawl across broken glass. You'd throw your stuff in the fire so fast and go after what he's planned. Now listen to me. We, all, we have limitations. We see limitations. Age, finances, there is no limitation with him. He owns it all. Amen. I mean, nothing he can't change. All right, let me throw in one more before we're done here. And you got to hang loose. You know why you got to hang loose? Because he changes his plans. They change. Listen, I want to quote it again. People mis misunderstood Jeremiah 29, 11. It does not say, I know the plan I have for you. I know the plans, plural, I have for you. Elijah followed God's plan. God blessed and fired him. All of a sudden, one day, the brook dried up and it died. He said, you, have you dropped me? He said, no, I hadn't dropped you. He said, move over there. I got a, you go, you're in a different part of this season of your life. Ecclesiastes says to everything, there's a season. You might be right in the middle of something for this season of your life. And all of a sudden, it dries up. You don't delight in it anymore. It's boring. You're not a sinner. He's just telling you, that time for you to move, Doc. That's what 1 Kings 17 says. When the brook dries up where you're at, he's moving you somewhere else. You got to change. All through the Bible, we change with his plans. I know folks that God blessed them for a while and they, they put their roots in concrete and he'd been gone for 40 years and they're still trying to make it happen. Man, listen, you got to hang loose. You're going to fall out of the cloud. You, if he moves, move with him. So, my goodness, there's no stability with people like you. Now you're getting it. Now you're getting it. You know what my stability is? The Lord God Almighty. Who is He? Doc, He'll take care of you wherever you need to go. Now listen to me. You only live one life. You get one life. And I'm going to make an announcement. This ain't no dress rehearsal right here. This is it right here. You get one life. What you going to do with it? You can live as a visionless person, a visionless American, get your $1,800 cell phone, let me tell you what I think about you if you buy $1,800 cell phone. I got some beach, never mind. Get you a fancy cell phone, watch a bunch of movies, eat a bunch of Italian food and burp regular and waste your life. 
Or you can be one of those driven people, one of those go-getters, and you get your vision. You're going to build a business or you're going to build a whatever. You're going to be a rock star. You're going to be as empty as Madonna one day. Or you can say it, I will be done and mean it. I want your plans. And I'm going to tell you what, his plans will light your heart up. You, you'll say, I was born, I was created for this right here. Can I ask you a question? How many truly content, happy people do you know? How many people you know that would pay to be right where they're at? I mean, just wallowing in their lives. Now, listen, not perfect, not without problems, but deep down in here, you know, I have found it. As that fellow told me, sitting on the edge of that boat one day, we're sitting out and turning, I'm not gonna tell you where we was at, sitting out there fishing one day, and he said, I found it. I'm living the dream God gave me. And I thought, there's more than one can fish for a living, you know. That's a pretty good dream right there. <laughs> if I fished three days in a row, I'd be bored to tears. Find his plan for your life. All right? You're not too old. It's not too late. Forgetting those things which are behind. Let's reach forward to the things that are out there. And while you're at it, if you're going to go, go big. Or just stay on the porch. Go big, all right? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I love you and praise you and thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. You created our hearts not to live on physical food or money or the praise of men. You created our hearts to live on your vision. And you, you are the creator. You're the most creative person ever lived because you created it all. I don't know how in the world we can look at the autumn leaves, the sunset, the beauty of creation and not know if you did that, what could you do with a life fully surrendered? Well, how beautiful could you paint your word? You said in your word, he makes all things beautiful in his time. Lord Jesus, everybody knows in their heart, there's got to be more to life than just existing. Paying the bills, eating your medicine, trying not to screw up. There's got to be more to life than that. You created us to dream and live. And Lord Jesus, we'll never know life apart from seeking your face and saying, I'll surrender all. I, I want to know what's next. And then dear Jesus, after we've done this task, show me the next plan. I pray for every person in this room. Boy, the enemy of our soul sucks the life out of people and says, this is the best you can do. You know better than this right here. He is a, he is a liar from the get-go. I pray you speak to hearts tonight and say, I got plans for you. And if you'll follow my plans, you'll have the greatest life possible. It's not too late to start right now. Whatever it is, and don't turn loose. Father, I want us to be like your word says. I press. I'm going to push in. I press toward the goal of the prize of the high call of God. I want to lay hold of what Jesus created me for. Forgetting that stuff. Reaching forward to what's ahead. I want him to run toward you like a sprinter would run toward the tape. I trust you for that. Thank you for your goodness. I want, every, dear Jesus, I want everybody in this room to find the delight of God in their lives. I don't care whether they're a doctor, a bus driver, a preacher in the military. I don't care what they do, but with their lives, find your best. I trust you for that. Let Jesus be glorified. In his precious name, we pray. Amen.